There she is, fellas. Jackie Obermeyer, the girl of my dreams. She's a grade above you and a cheerleader, Dickie. She dates athletes, not mathletes. No offense, but I think she's just a little out of your league. That's where you're wrong, Plunger. I bat for the major leagues. And as soon as Jackie reaches her new locker, 36.3 seconds from now, according to my calculations, I'm going to step up to the end zone and hit a slam dunk out of the park. What's so special about her, anyway? What do you mean, what's so special about her, Chip? You just can't tell because she isn't a bloodsucker like your girlfriend, Tracy. Tracy was never my girlfriend, dude. Notice how he didn't deny that she's a vampire. I've always denied it. Because he's still under her thrall. Sorry, Chip. As you're well aware, Tracy meets all 69 of the vampiric observables in my self-authored field manual. <laughs> 69. Nice. <laughs> I don't get it. But Jackie meets all of my cutie pie observables, and I'm gonna ask her out. That sounds like a really bad idea, Dickie. It's suicide. Relax. She's been giving me the come-hither look all year. Mayhaps twas go scissor. Wither? Scissor. Scissor? Never mind. Watch how it's done, boys. Oh, hey, Jackie. I guess we're locker neighbors now. What? I can barely hear you. You're way too far away. Sorry, I was just remarking on how our lockers are so close now. Only 23 lockers apart. You counted them? Well, it's just an estimate. I'm good with numbers. Speaking of numbers, what do you think of the number 69? Oh my god, you did not just ask me that. It's just a joke I heard earlier. It's funny because 69 is a strobochromatic semi-prime number, and, well, I guess you had to be there. What do you want, Ricky? It's actually Dickie, you'll recall. And if numbers aren't your thing, how about dinner? Say 8 o'clock Friday? You can choose any restaurant as long as my mom approves the menu and she speaks to the chef in advance concerning my food allergens. As if. Barf me out. You're totally like the biggest loser at Jupe Jr. Hey, is this little noid bothering you, Jackie? Oh, hi, Brandon. I was just shooting the breeze with Jackie. You know, keeping it casual. Yeah, well, you'd better beat it before I shoot you. Sure thing. I was totally about to beat it anyway. Hey, guys. Calculator. What? Get it? Like a calculator? It's wordplay. Technically, it's a homophonic paranomasia. You're a homophonic paranomasia. Ha! Good one. Okay, bye. Dude. Uh, I feel dizzy. Why are the lights dimming? Man down! Man down!
The next thing I remember was waking up on a cot with Nurse Riley dabbing my forehead with a cool washcloth. Uh, what time is it? It's a quarter past ten, Dickie. What? How? Was I abducted by aliens? You fainted. Luckily, your backpack cushioned your fall and you didn't hit your head. Your mama's on her way to pick you up. I'm going home, but I'll miss algebra. I'm surprised you want to stay here after what happened. I heard some kids said some pretty mean things to you. Oh, yeah. They'd always been friendly to me before. Well, people change. Not you. You're still the same beautiful red-headed fixin' you've always been. Hmm. Maybe you did hit your head. After my overprotective mom insisted on taking me to the ER, I was forced to spend the rest of the day at home in bed with her checking in on me every ten minutes, despite the doctor saying I didn't have a concussion and was completely fine. Luckily, I had a stack of Cape City comic books as tall as the Tower of Babel to help pass the time. When I got bored with superheroes, I switched to space heroes and listened to old radio recordings of the adventures of Buck Goodson and Tweak Stevens on my record player. That gave me the idea that maybe Jackie Obermeyer and Brandon Walker had been replaced by reptilians from Alpha Draconis who were wearing their skin. How else to explain their mysterious change in behavior? As it turns out, it wasn't just them. Tuesday morning, I had my lunch money stolen by Paul Maxwell. We used to play Druids of Dragondale together at Strategy Games Club. Simon Davies was given a Melvin by Craig Kornbacher, by all accounts a mild-mannered model airplane enthusiast. Louis Whittle was depensed by Chan Hong, an honor student, and Ursula Rutledge had tampons stuffed up her nostrils by Tiffany Tugger, her supposed best friend. Later on, Merlin Grubb, a.k.a. Plunger himself, suffered a brutal wedgie at the hands of Tucker King during phys ed. It must have been a sneak attack or else Plunger's extensive Tai Chi training would have fended him off. Tucker had always been a bully, but now he was on a rampage. Six other kids fell victim that day, menaced by rookie and veteran bullies alike. Something strange and sinister was happening at Jupiter Springs Junior High. Just when I thought I'd made it to the end of the school day having been let off easy, clarinet player Milton Baxter shoved me in my locker just after my final class. Have fun, dickweed. Let me out, you dastardly deviant. Is that you, Dickie? Who's there? And where? It's me, Nero. Nero? Are you a ghost? No, I got stuffed into my locker by Deontay Jones. Mine's right next to yours, remember? Oh, yeah. Nero Orin might be the most unpopular boy in all of Jupiter Springs. He's awkwardly shy, stick thin, picks his nose, smells like rancid Play-Doh, and wears the same ragged suit and bow tie every day. He'd been prime prey for bullies since preschool. How long have you been in there? About an hour. Not as long as yesterday. There's got to be an internal latch or something. There's not. I already tried that. Well, at least they were generous enough to put slots on the door so I won't suffocate. Hey, are you going to the annual Jupiter Springs Pudding Fun Fair this weekend? Heck yeah. I mean, if I ever get out of here. Pledger probably won't go because his grandma works at the factory that provides all the pudding, and he's become disenchanted. But I haven't missed one yet. I heard there's going to be a new creepy carnival funhouse this year. Yeah, Rory Horowitz got a job there cleaning the ball pit. It's honest work. I should get a job at the Funhouse, too, and then I could get in for free any time I wanted. But first I have to 
bust out of this darn locker. Save your strength. Mr. Jenkins, the janitor, will let us out when his shift starts. You could stay put if you want, but I'm not waiting around to be rescued by the janitor. Mr. Jenkins did, in fact, let us out of our lockers later that afternoon, just when I could feel the door was about to give. I'd missed the bus and had to hike home to Moonstone Hills. As I left school grounds, I walked by the new statue of Jefferson Chadwick, a famous justice of the Supreme Court that went there in the 1920s. There was a petition to change the name of the school after him. The statue was still covered in a black drape and would be officially unveiled on Friday. By the time I got to my house, my mom had already called all of my friends and had been about to call the police, assuming I was lying in a gutter somewhere. Seems like her mind is always in the gutter. In my bedroom, I changed out of my sweaty clothes and stared into my closet. I knew the items I was looking for. Red-tinted ski goggles, an iridescent holographic t-shirt, blue skateboarding elbow pads, red fingerless gloves, black bicycle shorts, a neon polychrome fanny pack, a brown leather big buckle Branson belt with holsters, and black snakeskin cowboy boots. Separately, they were just ordinary, inconspicuous articles of clothing, but when combined together, they formed the carefully cultivated costume of Laser Man, one of my superhero alter egos. I hadn't worn it in a year, but the way things had been going, Laser Man might be needed. I tried it on once again, observing myself in the mirror. Just a little bit of a fluff gut, but nothing that some intense montage exercise for an hour wouldn't correct. Of course, Laser Man was nothing without his laser gun. I slid the weapon out of its holster and felt the cool plastic in my grip. A replica Bug Goodson's Laser Waster TX-7. The laser was actually just a built-in flashlight, better for finding dropped dice on the floor than blasting holes in bad guys. It had served me well over the years, but it was time for an upgrade. My mom had recently acquired a brand new, genuine laser for her work. She told me it was more powerful than other lasers currently commercially sold and that it represented the pinnacle of pointing technology. I didn't believe her. Looked like top secret military tech to me. It makes me wonder if she has some government clearances I don't know about. Either way, I'd have to borrow the laser for a bit. After sneaking it into my holster, I rode my bike, with permission from my mom, a short distance to Dongho Park Park. I had a rendezvous with 10-year-old Hammond B. Middle School student, Jimmy Smedley, whom I told to come dressed as a supervillain. He'd make perfect target practice. Jimmy showed up in an alligator onesie. I told you to wear a supervillain costume, not your pajamas. I'm Calculator. Calculator? Uh, you know that calculator puns are my thing. They're my thing, too. Fine. What are your powers? I'm an alligator capable of extraordinary calculations. Oh, yeah? What's three times 23? Um, 69. 69. <laughs> What's so funny about the number 69? I don't get it. Of course you don't get it. It's funny because 69 is a positive integer with an odd number of ones in its binary expression. Oh, that is pretty funny. Yeah. So are we going to battle or what? You bet your butt we're going to battle. We battled for the remainder of the day. Calcugator chomped his teeth, swiped his claws, and lashed his tail. But even with his calculated attacks, he was no match for Laser Man's superior reflexes, which allowed me to duck and dash out of harm's way, offering my own counterattacks with devastating power and precision. 
Only once did I get sloppy and overcommit to a punch, resulting in me losing my balance and falling into the grass face first. I quickly spun around and slid out my laser from its holster as my number-crunching nemesis loomed over me. I might have been down, but I was far from out. The laser was the size of a large flashlight and heavy, but with the push of a button, a red-hot dot of electromagnetic energy seared through Calcugator's thick reptilian hide. I let him have a few more blasts for good measure. Hey, quit shining that thing in my eyes, Diggy. <laughs> I got you. Stop it. Okay, I give up. Calculator, Calcugator. You're going to Hardgate Federal Penitentiary now. Or should I say Hardgator? Ow, cut it out. I said I give up. I done it. Laser Man was triumphant. Now I just had to be vigilant should the citizens of Jupiter Springs need me. When they did, I'd be ready. Wednesday morning started off calm and relatively peaceful, with only a couple incidents of spitballs being fired from the back of classrooms. By lunchtime, bully activity had started to simmer, and there were reports of both noogies and loogies being dished out. By the afternoon, it reached boiling point, with widespread wet willies and purple nurples perpetrated upon numerous nerds, geeks, dorks, dweebs, spazzes, and weirdos. At least one casualty was actually a real cool kid once you just got to know him. Me. I was crammed into my locker for the second day in a row, around the same time, by none other than Brandon Walker. And stay in there, homophobic paramecium. It's homo- I forget it. Hey, Dickie. Huh? Who said that? It's Nero again, remember? From next door? Oh, yeah. Hey. I guess we're stuck here together until Mr. Jenkins arrives, just like old times. Sorry, Nero, I don't have time to chit-chat. Gotta find a way out. If I'm late again, my mom will call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children or have me tagged like an endangered species. Ah, if I could only reach my backpack, I could radio Plunger to come let me out. And me too, right? I'm sick and tired of these bullies wreaking havoc at my school. Somebody ought to do something about it. That's a good idea. Ah, I've got it open. Now if I can just grasp the antenna. So, Dickie, word around the hallways is Laser Man got a real laser. That's classified, Nero. Need to know information. And you don't need to know that I have a laser that's probably, definitely, back-engineered from alien technology. I don't even know who's been leaking these sensitive secrets. Um, if I did have a need to know, I'd say your laser might be able to shoot a hole through the locker door. Well, I'd say the reflective surface would bounce the laser beam right back and incinerate me. But you don't need to know about that. Ah, almost got it in my fingertips. Yes! Plunger, come in. Plunger, do you copy? Who's this Plunger you speak of? What? Oh, Avenging Condor, do you read? Affirmative. Code red, code red. I'm trapped in my locker. You gotta come quick. <sighs> You're lucky Derek is late picking me up. Hold tight, friend. Help is on the way. A few minutes later, Plunger showed up and entered my combination, releasing me from so-called nerd prison. His older brother even offered to give me a ride home. After a gentle reminder, Nero was also let out. I was a little distracted. That night, I called an emergency meeting at our base of operations. 
the loft of Plunger's detached garage in Sugarbush Valley. Some of Jupe Jr.'s most victimized students, along with Chip Estrada, gathered around a card table. Surrounding us were black and green screened electronics with flashing cursors and oscillating sine waves. Red yarn wound its way across a map of Jupiter Springs, connecting vampiric activity, owlbear sightings, and shadowy government cover-uppers together in a corkboard web of conspiracy. Gentlemen, thank you all for coming. As you're well aware, Dickie has gathered us here tonight to formulate a plan of action against those who would do us harm. It's time we strike back. I will begin with a suggestion of my own. Razor blades sewn into the waistbands of our underpants. That is all. Yeah, we could start a gang and call ourselves the Razorbacks. Or the Bloody Bottom Boys. I'm going to overrule that one. Chip, you're a former bully. Any insights into the deranged minds of our mortal enemies? What would be an effective countermeasure in your suggestion? Nunchucks. Okay. Noted. We could fill all their lockers with dead fish. Would fish even fit through the slots? Dickie, you're intimately familiar with lockers. What do you think? Psh, Nero's the expert. Ask him. Where is Nero? Did nobody think to invite him? I thought I did, but I guess not. Hey, I know. We could hand the bullies counterfeit money instead of our lunch money and then call the secret surface on them. Okay, so far we have razor blades, nunchucks, fish, and funny money. It's a start, but I just wish we knew the underlying cause of this rapid onset bullyism. Then we could fight the disease itself instead of the symptoms. You're right, of course. For all we know, the source of this madness is supernatural. Who's to say it won't spread to each and every one of us? Tomorrow, Simon could be a bully. The next day, Lewis. Maybe it's already happened. Maybe we're staring into the eyes of a bully right at this very moment, and we don't even know it. All right, everybody keep your distance. I'm warning you. No sudden moves. Trust no one. Calm down, Dickie. I've seen John Carpenter's The Thing enough times to know what paranoia will do to us. We should probably get back to brainstorming. If only there was a way to get the bullies together at the same time. There is. Oh, do tell. I heard most of the bullies have after-school detention tomorrow. That's it. That's when we make our move. We could put super glue on all of their seats. That's doable. That's very doable. But I think I might know how to take it up a notch and really show those bullies who's boss. We just need something capable of generating heat from a distance. Tch! Leave that to me. We hammered out the details of our plan for another 45 minutes and then called it a night. Thursday morning, I convinced my mom to let me ride my bike to school. This way, she knew to expect me home a little later than normal. The others did the same. At lunchtime, longtime bully Knuckles McNelly knocked the food tray out of my hands and everybody in the cafeteria laughed, even me because I knew what was coming. We called it Operation Toto in Situ. I only used my locker once, earlier in the day, stuffing all of its contents into my backpack so I had everything I needed. The heavy load was breaking my back, but it'd be worth it. After school detention was taking place in room 4A, overseen by Mr. Clarkson, There was only a short period of time after school let out and before detention started, so timing was critical. When the classroom was briefly unoccupied, a few of us snuck in with superglue while the others stood watch.
quickly and efficiently, we ran around squirting the translucent paste on every seat except Mr. Clarkson's. Before we left the room, I opened a window. Then we all hurried out of the building, and I went around the side of the school, crouching under the window. Peeking in, I could see the bullies start to pile into the room and sit down at their desks. I was relieved to see that Jackie was not among them. Mr. Clarkson imparted a stern lecture and told them to work on homework or sit quietly. I gave it another 20 minutes to make sure the glue was nice and hardened. Then I gave an okay sign to the others watching near the entrance and unzipped my backpack. It was go time. Contrary to popular belief, sprinkler systems aren't triggered by smoke. Rather, heat is needed. I shunned my laser at a sprinkler head and waited for the chemical inside to heat up enough to burst the glass bulb and activate the system. It took a while. The others were getting anxious. Just when I started to think it wasn't going to work... We had rain. showered the bullies, drenching their hair and clothes before they could even process what was happening. Mr. Clarkson was collateral damage, but at least he could get up out of his chair. When the bullies extinctually tried to stand, they found themselves hopelessly stuck. Many of them toppled over and couldn't get back up, writhing like worms in the spewing water. When Mr. Clarkson had finally gotten all of the bullies on their feet and was hurriedly escorting them out of the front door, we just happened to be casually loitering at the bike rack nearby. There they were, miserable, soggy tyrants, hunched over with chairs attached to their butts and backs, waddling a wet walk of shame. It was a thing of unparalleled beauty. Hi guys, nice of you to join us. Take a seat. Oh, I guess you already have. (laughs) I see you've all been playing a game of gluthical chairs. (laughs) The last bully to come out of the school was Brandon Walker, who had apparently escaped his pants and was down to his soaked skivvies. <laughs> hey, Brandon, it was real nice of you to donate your pants to charity. <laughs> now that's what I call a homophonic paranomasia. Brandon and the rest of them didn't have a single witty retort, just hung their dripping heads and tried their best to ignore us. I was confident they'd been taught a valuable lesson. When we heard sirens, we hopped on our bikes and started home, still cracking jokes and giggling with each other until, one by one, each kid split off in their own direction. My overstuffed backpack felt as light as a feather. Jupe Jr. was buzzing with gossip on Friday morning. Word had gotten out about our prank, but so far nobody connected it to us. Some were saying Mr. Clarkson himself was responsible. Others were blaming on Nero Oren. Poor guy was probably in his locker at the time, but I couldn't have let him out, even if I had remembered. The incident had eventually taken on a life of its own after enough retellings. One version had it that there had actually been a raging fire in the room. 
Another version had it that Tiffany Tugger had been wearing short shorts and firemen had to saw apart her chair, then spread peanut butter on her butt to dissolve the glue. Tiffany didn't show up to school that day, so maybe it was true. What I knew was true was that the fire inspector told Principal Malarkey that he couldn't figure out what had set off the sprinkler system. Room 4A was closed indefinitely. Just before a free period, I was about to meet up with some of the other merry pranksters in the boys' bathroom to assess the situation when I received an incoming communication from Plunger. Dickie, come in. You go for Dickie. Are you coming? I'm in the school library and I think I might have found something. Uh, what? Just get here now. Uh, roger that, Avenging Condor. Be there in a few. I found Plunger at the back of the library at a little table next to the microfiche reader. Did you discover another revealing National Geographic? No, but I found some revealing yearbooks. What do you mean? I was thinking about our discussion the other night about discovering the true origin of the bully outbreak, so I racked my brain and realized something. All of it started with the arrival of that statue. Justice Jefferson Chadwick. That's right. Which gave me an idea. I did some digging, and at first, I didn't find anything of use, just the normal biased biographies and newspaper puff pieces. But then I searched through the library archives, and I found some old 1920s Jupe Jr. yearbooks that had been donated back to the school. Take a look at this. Susie, you might be a fusty lugs with a huge beezer, but you got nice bubs. Signed, Jeff Chadwick. Now read this one. Hey, dingus. Thanks for letting me sign your yearbook. Fooled you. I'm going to suck your noodle, you sounder kite. Jeff Chadwick. Here's another one. Don't have a good summer. Jeff Chadwick. You noticing a pattern? (gasps) He was a bully. Bingo. But what does it mean? Is the Justice's statue possessed with a spirit or some kind of bully demon who's corrupting kids and compelling them to bully others? If so, our act of revenge might not have stopped them. It might have actually made things worse. I've got to warn the others. I rushed out of the library and ran down the hallway, but I was already too late. The boys' restroom was the scene of a massacre. The bullies had retaliated with a vengeance. There, on the tile, lay the quivering bodies of Simon Davies, Louis Whittle, and Rory Horowitz. Their underwear stretched all the way over their heads their hair sodden from swirlies. (laughs) Then the light started to go dim again. Welcome back, Dickie. What? Where did I go? Was I abducted? You fainted. Again. Your friend Merlin found you. The others? What happened to- The other kids are okay. They're just resting now. You're okay too, by the way. No bumps or bruises. I pushed myself up and saw the others sleeping peacefully on cots next to mine. They looked like angels. Dickie, I know there's been a lot of bullying going on at school lately, and I just wanted to say that it will get better. Not while a supernatural force terrorizes the school, it won't. Supernatural? Dickie, all of this is quite natural, actually. You've learned about puberty, haven't you? Yes. I'm up to my neck in it. Eh, I'm not sure you're there yet, Dickie. 
but give it time. My point is, hormones can hit kids pretty hard and make them act out. Yeah, uh uh-huh. You didn't already call my mom, did you? I haven't yet, no. Good. You shouldn't. She'll make me miss the pudding fair tomorrow, and that can't happen. I don't know, Dickie. I'm required to. You said yourself I was okay. Well, you do look fine to me. Thanks. You look fine to me, too. Hmm. Maybe you are going through puberty. I was discharged from the nurse's office, my mom none the wiser, just in time to mandatorily behold the unveiling of Justice Chadwick's statue. Staff and students gathered on the lawn while Principal Malarkey dramatically yanked off the black drape, revealing the gleaming, seven-foot-tall figure underneath. To everyone's surprise, it depicted the Justice as a boy, the age he was when he attended the school. Look at them worshipping their golden calf. You know what we have to do. Yes. Tonight. Tonight. It was 3 a.m., the witching hour, when Plunger and I met back up at that exact spot. I'd had no choice but to disable my mom's elaborate alarm system and sneak out of the house. What we were about to do had to be done under the cover of darkness, with no witnesses. Did you bring your laser? Yeah, and a roll of duct tape. Derek come through with the cherry bombs? Yeah, and a Europa Roadhouse matchbook. I guess we're all set then. Let's end this, once and for all. After winding the wicks of two cherry bombs together and taping them along with the matches to the statue's forehead, we stood back, way back. Then out came the laser. The beam was visible in the misty moonlight, glittering and swirling with red radiation, and it didn't take long for the match heads to flare. The wicks began to sizzle. Fire in the hole! Bye, bully. I went to the pudding fair the next day feeling carefree. Only a couple of times did I think about the smoking headless ruin of Jefferson Chadwick's statue. You'd think I'd sacked Rome with all the vandalism I'd participated in lately. Still, a little property damage was better than a whole school under the thrall of an evil entity. Mostly I enjoyed the rides, the pudding, the games, the pudding, the shows, and the pudding. So much pudding. Pudding eating competition, pudding dunk, pudding painting, and finally the pudding parade. The only disappointment of the day was that the creepy carnival funhouse was closed without explanation. What a jip. Maybe it'd be open tomorrow. I stayed until the fair shut down at 10 o'clock and then rode home. Exhausted, I fell asleep as soon as my head hit the pillow and dreamed about Jackie Obermeyer. We were hardcore holding hands. I'm talking full palm-on-palm action with squeezing. Real nasty stuff, not for little kids. She smelled like pudding. Around midnight, my radio suddenly crackled to life. Uh, who is this? Look up at the sky, Dickie. Are we being invaded by aliens? Hello? Are you calling to warn me? Come in. Is... is it you, Dad? I was trying to be mysterious, but no, I'm not your dad. That's messed up. Just look at the sky. 
You'll know what it means. I opened up my window and stuck my head out. There, beaming up into the black sky, was a beacon of shimmering white light. I did know what it meant. The citizens of Jupiter Springs needed me. I was suited up in seconds. With no time to spare, I didn't bother to disable the security system for the front door and just went through the open window. Dropping down onto the lower garage roof, I dangled off the ledge and landed on the driveway. Then I sped off, pushing my Huffy to the very limits of its power. The searchlight was coming from downtown, from the fairgrounds. As I rode down the deserted streets, I came to the source, the roof of the creepy carnival funhouse. Except now the funhouse wasn't closed down. The lights were glaring, the music blaring, the doors were open. I saw a wrinkled flyer on the ground and picked it up. You are invited to a special after-hours party exclusively for cool kids. Come to the creepy carnival funhouse at midnight on Saturday. An obvious trap. Who falls for these things? I entered the building cautiously. It was not how I wanted to experience the funhouse, but at least I didn't have to buy a ticket. Welcome, Blazer Man. I've been expecting you. We've all been expecting you. The others will be so thrilled that you came to rescue them. They are in a bit of danger, after all. You son of a female dog. Who is this? If you've hurt them, I swear to gosh, I'll fry your buns. I can't hear you, but I can see that you're very animated. Good. Come find us. <laughs> I started down the hallway, crossing a metal walkway through a spinning tunnel, its candy cane stripes tricking my brain into feeling as if the floor was turning with it. Leaning against the railing, I slowly and dizzyingly made my way to the other side. Now I knew what Aunt Judy felt like after her third glass of wine. In the next room, the floor really was moving. Hydraulics raised, lowered, and tilted it, while air jets randomly fired from all directions. After that came the mirror maze. A hundred laser men surrounded me, each one looking equally cool. I had to find the way out. For a split second, I thought I saw a reflection in one of the mirrors that wasn't mine. A shiny silhouette of a figure, a mirror inside of a mirror. I fired, but the figure was gone, and only I stood in the silver glass. A red point appeared on my chest, knocking me back in surprise. Fortunately, I survived unscathed. The mirror behind me wasn't as lucky. I picked up a shattered shard and slipped it into my fanny pack. Finally, I located the exit and entered into a corridor where various animatronic circus freaks jerked threateningly in front of fake tin flaps. At the end were three covered slides. I couldn't see where they came out because of the sloping angle, so I took a chance. Sitting in the slide on the right, I pushed off and slid into the unknown. And then into the inside of a chain-link cage. I was in a large room, ornamented with inactive animatronic clowns and distorted funhouse mirrors. At the end of the left slide was a round padded pit but instead of being filled with plastic balls, it was filled to the brim with vanilla pudding. Next to it, at the foot of the middle slide, was another cage. There were people in it, and they were not the people I thought I'd be rescuing. I saw Brandon Walker, Tiffany Tugger, 
Deontay Jones, Craig Kornbacher, Tucker King, Knuckles McNelly, and more. All of them bullies, old school and new, crammed into the cage like nerds in a locker. That's when the light bulb finally went on over my head. No sooner than I had my epiphany, a red curtain drew back at the opposite end of the room, revealing a platform with a panel of security monitors and buttons. Standing in front of an employee-only door was a boy wearing aluminum foil and mirrored aviator sunglasses. What have you done, Nero? Call me Reflecto, and I haven't done anything yet. Soon, however, everything that has been done to me will be done to them twofold. For every wedgie I've taken, I'll give a wedgie and a Melvin in return. At the same time, I call it the Medgie. No! They'll die! Uh, well, that's a bit dramatic. But why do you even care, Dickie? You were the one who inspired me back when we were stuck in our lockers. Don't you remember? Listen, Nero. Those bullies were being supernaturally influenced by a pernicious presence inhabiting Justice Chadwick's statue. It wasn't their fault. <laughs> you expect me to believe that? It's the truth. I wouldn't lie to you, Nero. No, you'd only laugh at me when I can't afford to buy new clothes or the latest toy to hit the shelves. You'd only mock me when I can't solve a math problem as fast as you, or when my Druids of Dragondale character fails a wisdom check. What are you getting at? Isn't it obvious, Dickie? I didn't lure you into that cage to keep you from saving the bullies. I did it because you're a bully, too. Me? Remember fifth grade? How you used to grab my arm and point it at my head, saying, Stop casting Mystic Missile on yourself! Stop casting Mystic Missile on yourself! Oh yeah, but at your low level, it would have barely done any damage. And then there was that time you put Pop Rocks in my soda. That was an important science experiment. It could have killed me! Now who's being dramatic? But okay, I see your point. It wasn't very nice, and I'm sorry. That hardly makes me a bully, though. I see it does. The only difference between you and the bullies locked up in the other cage is that you happen to take a different slide down. Which reminds me, there's one bully who's running a little late. I wonder which slide she'll take. He turned and stared at the bank of black and white monitors. I could see movement on one of them. Here she comes now. A moment later, Jackie Obermeyer slid down the left slide and plopped into the pudding pit. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Welcome to the party, Jackie. Grody. <laughs> You'll pay for this, Nero. Ugh, I've got pudding in my eyes. Who is talking? I had to get out of that cage, but the door was zip-tied shut. I could use my laser, but I'd forgotten to recharge the battery after I'd used it last. It probably only had a few zaps left. Then I remembered the piece of broken mirror in my fanny pack. I gripped it tight in my gloves and started to saw away. What are you doing? Stop that. Ah, I'm stuck in here. After a minute, I was free. You're going to Hardgate, Nero. In my rage, I charged at Nero and blasted him, forgetting what he was wearing. Instead of hitting his eye, the beam bounced off the lens of his aviators and hit my own eye. Gah! I told you to call me Reflecto. I stumbled back, the flash of light temporarily making me see spots. Fortunately, my ski goggles seem to have minimized most of the damage. Uh, I'm thinking. Oh my god, it's like quicksand. Hold on, Jackie. I'll get you out of there. Not so fast. Nero pushed a button on the panel, and a nearby animatronic clown sprang to life, almost giving me a heart attack and knocking me on my butt. Jackie had sunk down to her neck in pudding by now. Don't struggle. 
It'll only make you sink faster. I needed to pull her out of the pudding before it was too late, but Nero wasn't going to let me without a fight. Thinking quickly, I scooped up some pudding with my hand and flung it at him. My precision was precise. It splattered over his sunglasses, blinding him and giving me a minute to save Jackie. Crawling over, I reached into the pit and fished out one of her arms, pulling her to the edge where she could push herself up. Once her other arm was free, I took her hands in mine, almost just like in my dream, and tugged her free of the pit and onto the floor. You look kind of familiar. Who are you? Uh, Call me Laser Man. His glasses wiped clean, Nero frowned and walked menacingly over to where Jackie and I still lay prone. Congrats, Laser Man. You're going to be the first victim of a Meji. Wait. You don't have to do this. No more stalling. Your number's up. What if my number is 69? Uh, that's not funny. It's funny because 69 is the atomic number of thulium, a rare metal which is used as a component in some lasers. Before he had time to react, I used up what might have been the last ounce of juice in my laser with a calculated shot. Calculator, Nero. Reflect this. I knew I couldn't shoot Reflecto from the front, but the back of his head was completely exposed. A shot there would certainly cause him some discomfort. Getting it there was the tricky part. The first target was a lens again, but this time the angle reflected the beam onto a mirror behind me and then back over Reflecto's head to another mirror which should have shone it directly onto the back of his skull. But probably due to the curvature of the funhouse mirror, the laser went back over his head again and struck a black helium balloon attached to a string a clown was holding. There was a brief moment before it popped when nobody knew exactly where the laser had landed and we looked around confused. But soon enough, a hole formed in the rubber. Nero was so surprised, he jumped back, but when he did, he slipped on pudding that had dripped off Jackie, and he stumbled backward, tumbling head over heels right into the pudding pit. Slossing frantically, his head was only above the surface for a matter of seconds, just long enough to shout, Help! I can't swim! I rushed to the ledge and leaned over, but all I could see were bubbles and ripples. Then a hand broke through. I dangled my arm out to grab it, but it was too far from the side. I needed to extend my reach. Acting swiftly, I unbuckled my belt and whipped one end of it into Nero's hand. It worked. Grasping the belt, his fingers curled around the leather and I began to tug with all my strength. His head popped up. I got you. Finally, I dragged him out of the pit and he collapsed onto my lap. I got you. Needless to say, it was over. I let the whimpering bullies out of their cage, and all of us except for Nero solemnly walked out the exit doors into the night air. I looked back at the funhouse just as the power shut off and the lights disappeared. It was then, in the darkness, that Jackie Obermeyer, the girl of my dreams, whispered, Thank you, Laser Man, and then gave me a big smooch on the cheek. Calculator, sweetheart. Ricky? But I was already gone. On my bike. Headed home. <laughs> <laughs>
I didn't go back to the fair the next day. I'd already gotten all the pudding I could handle, thank you very much. Besides, it was warm that day, and the neon pink lipstick imprint Jackie left on my cheek might have sweated off. I was holding on to that for as long as possible. Jupiter Springs Junior High mostly returned to normal. We're all a bit nicer to each other these days, and no sudden surges in bullyism have occurred again. The school got to keep its name, but only a few months later, it got a new statue. This time, the students had been allowed to vote for whom they wanted. I voted for Laserman, but I was the only one. The official unveiling was on a clear, sunny Friday. Principal Malarkey whisked off the black drape, and everyone applauded the new statue. Jupiter, sitting on a throne and wielding a lightning bolt. By Jove, it was a perfect day. That is, until lightning flashed and thunder roared and rain began to fall. 